Welcome to Coffee Talk from the Ground Up, an ECS podcast, where we strive to provide a more personable way to communicate with employees. I'm Steve Gosselin, but you can call me Goose, and I'm part of our senior leadership team, and I'm joined here by Julie Smith, who is part of the marketing communications team and our resident Chocoholic. Say hi, Julie. Thanks, Steve. Hey, everyone. I'm glad you're joining us today. So, Steve, what are we doing here? Great question, Julie. One of the struggles with a company our size is getting a message to the masses without it being diluted along the way. From projects and people to services and career insight, we hope this podcast helps provide an avenue to communicate the stories that are worth sharing. It's to learn about our culture and feel more connected and to have some fun along the way. So what you're saying is, we hope this podcast is educational, entertaining, and encouraging. With practical advice, you can apply directly to your work and life. Well said, Julie, and that's why you're in marketing. (laughs) So grab a cup and settle in. Our attorney makes us say this. This podcast is for entertainment and informational purposes only. Nothing herein shall be construed as providing professional engineering services or used to establish the standard of care. This podcast and the comments contained therein represent only the personal views of the participants and do not reflect those of ECS. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or correction of errors. Good morning. I hope everybody's doing well today. Welcome to Coffee Talk from the Ground Up. Today, we're going to be talking to Ray Ruiz. Ray's been with ECS since 2013. Currently, he's the branch manager of the Tampa office. And Ray told me that before we jump in, I had to do a safety minute. The safety minute today, and I, you know, I'm in Charlotte. Julie and I are here in Charlotte. And it's a nasty day. It is 35 degrees. It's cold. It's wet. It's rainy. It's windy. So today, we're going to be talking about driving and driving safety, especially when wet roads the main thing is slow down and take your time. It's amazing when I drive now, especially on city roads, how much people are in a hurry passing me on the right. I had somebody pass me the other day, stopped at a stoplight in the right turn lane and cut in front of me and ran the red light because they're in a hurry. Just be aware, always be aware of your surroundings. And especially when the conditions are bad on days like today, Just slow down and take your time. Thanks, Ray, for reminding me to give that safety minute. When Ray's not working, you can find Ray spending time with his family. He's got a 10-year-old son. He's got a newborn, a five-month-old daughter. They like to hang out at the house, spend a lot of family time. He says they like uh, video games. They like to watch movies together. And when the weather's good, they'll be outside at the park or trying to entertain the kids and things like that. Welcome, Ray. Good morning. Good morning. We'll get started here with a few rapid fire questions to try to get everybody loose on this Monday morning. All right, Ray, hunting or fishing? Fishing. Nice. Good. Do you you fish uh, there in Tampa? I've been out on the waters a couple times now, and it was my first ever time doing out here in Florida. Yeah, I would imagine that fishing's pretty good in that area. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Unfortunately, I'm allergic to cats. Are you really? No yeah. kidding. Wow. Okay. Ford or Chevy? I just bought a Ford last year, so I would have to say Ford. No kidding. All right. Uh, pickup? Yep. F-150. Nice. Yeah, there you go. 
All right. Football or hockey? I'd say hockey based on what Tampa's doing recently. Yeah, I'll tell you what, though. Tampa's the uh, city of champions right now. The Lightning are two, two years in a row? Two years in a row, and then uh, Brady with last year's win. Yeah, no kidding. And I know the Lightning took out the Hurricanes last year, so we Carolina Hurricanes fans aren't happy <laughs> about that. But they're a really, really good hockey club, and they play with a lot of speed. And I'll tell you what, those are a great game to watch. They're They're really fun to watch. For sure. Yeah. Hamburgers or hot dogs? Hamburgers. Yeah. All right. Good deal. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Before we got started, I was checking in and you're from Brooklyn. So, you know, tell us a little bit about uh, growing up in Brooklyn, uh, going to school and how'd you get interested in the field of engineering? Gotcha. Uh, Yeah, I'm originally from Williamsburg, Brooklyn, born there and been there all of 22 years before I moved down here. My family still lives up there. It was a little bit different because it's, it's a concrete jungle. There's not much trees up there. Walk to school every day and you know, everything was more or less convenient because everybody was close to you in close quarters. It was easy to get to a restaurant or link up with a bunch of buddies because everything's walking distance. It wasn't really much of a driving around like you do out here in Florida. Diving into engineering, I originally wanted to be an architect. This started in middle school, mainly because I came became fascinated with the construction in the city. And I would say about eighth grade, I met one of my buddies. I went out with his father and he was an architect and he took me to a couple of projects that he had done. And he's like, well, Ray, I hear you're, you know, really good at math and science. Have you ever expressed interest in civil engineering? I'm like, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> so he dived into it a bit more. And he's like, you know, you, you get paid well. I'm like, I like money. <laughs> so since then, I changed the path. And in high school, I focused in on that. Did a couple STEM mentorship programs. And then I shot up to uh, Clarkson University, where I got my bachelor's of science in civil engineering. Excellent. Yeah. So do you enjoy civil engineering? And I asked that question as compared to wanting to be an architect. You know, you kind of had your mindset on being an architect. And engineering and architecture are really two different things. So does being a civil engineer, does that satisfy that design side that the architect might have? It does in a way. Originally, I wanted to have a focus in structural. So civil engineering with a focus in structural, which just more or less goes hand in hand with architectural work. When I graduated, I was looking for that at first, but it was a lot tougher to get my foot in the door. Since I got exposed to the construction industry and getting more exposed to the field atmosphere, I really enjoy the hands-on, meeting a bunch of different people, contractors, architects, engineers, even site contractors, you name it, and building those relationships. I feel that's a lot more better suited for me as opposed to just sitting behind a desk and designing the next building. So I've, I've enjoyed the civil engineering path a lot more than I would have, I believe, as an architect. Yeah, excellent. So it sounds like it's a great fit. And you're exactly right. I mean, one of the benefits of our job is in most days we can get out and we can interact with folks. And to me, that's the beauty of being a consultant is that, you know, not only are you helping to solve problems and make the world better and help people, you know, get things done, but you're just getting to develop relationships with folks. And that to me is a big plus. For sure. Yeah. So I got to ask you, growing up in Brooklyn, and then going upstate to Clarkson, was that like a culture shock? Was that like a big <laughs> shock for you? Tell us about your experience at Clarkson. Uh, day one, family drops me off and they leave. And I w- I'm stuck to my family by the hip. 
Yeah. So when they were gone, I was like, this, this a uh, bit surreal, you know, that I'm on my own and in an atmosphere that's nothing what I'm used to. There's a bunch of trees everywhere. It's already cold and it's, you know, the beginning of August and it's going to be 60 that day. So it was definitely shocking. I was extremely nervous. I was worried about not fitting in because I'm a city boy. And a lot of the folks that were at Clarkson were mainly from upstate New York, which got a little bit exposed to that countryside of life where I didn't. So I didn't, I never fished. I never hunted. All we did was, you know, hang out outside and played on the, on the sidewalks. So that's what I was exposed to growing up. So definitely a change, but I worked out. I found a couple of group of guys that were from the New York city. And, you know, from there I built my foundation and then, Started to get exposed to the countryside of things and went out, you know, shooting a couple of times with a couple of buddies, you know, you know, hanging out in the middle of the woods, stuff that I never thought I would be doing. So definitely a change for me, especially the weather. You, you're talking about, you know, negative whatever from September to March. It's it feels like it's it's the opposite of Florida, I would say, up in Clarkson. It's in Potsdam, New York, 30 minutes south of Canada. So. Uh, stay warm yeah so it sounded like you managed to adapt pretty well you you found some friends you got you know hooked in with a network obviously they had influence on you you're driving a pickup truck now did you ever see yourself driving a pickup <laughs> when you're growing up in Brooklyn nope I had an SUV with four-wheel drive and I always wanted an SUV but uh it's changed since then Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you adapt okay? I mean, did you struggle or were the grades all right and the social aspect okay? I mean, because I, I hear and read so much about uh, nowadays when folks go to school and they talk about how tough it is to adapt. And I know all of us had that. I mean, I'm sure all of our listeners can somehow appreciate that and connect with that. But, you know, did you have an adaption time? I mean, or did you just jump right in and say, man, I'm going for it? I would say freshman year was a bit unique coming from high school, especially in my neighborhood is Hispanics and blacks. Mm-hmm. And that was the majority of my uh, high school class. And then going up there, it's now 5% of that. That alone was a change and getting used to that type of change in races and whatnot. Since then, I mean, I, it was tough on the education part because in high school, I mean, I crushed the classes. I felt like it was a breeze and I have to study too much. And then you go to college, it's like this whole new advanced level where you actually got to read your textbook from, you know, the chapters they recommend and whatnot. That transition during freshman year impacted my grade. I barely crossed the finish line to keep my scholarships and whatnot. And then since then, I knew sophomore year, how to reapply myself and, and really get into reading up on the books and the, and the textbook language and staying a lot more focused and staying away more from the party life. Because again, you're I was stuck to my family the whole time. And then being on your own, you hear about fraternity parties or, hey, let's go down to the bar, grab a couple of drinks and whatnot. First year, it was it was a lot of fun. But at the same instance, it was scary because there was a chance I could have messed up my career for that. Mm-hmm. Second year around, I turned it around, focused on the books, got on the dean's list a couple of times. And then that's when I started hanging out with, with one of my fraternity where I met a bunch of different folks, you know, not just from New York City, but from all parts of the, uh, the United States and brought in my, where I tapped into that country lifestyle a bit more. And it was pretty cool. And so I would say about junior year to senior year is where I really found my core group of guys and we stuck through it throughout the rest of the, the curriculum. Excellent. Great. That's an excellent story. And I really appreciate you sharing that with us and our listeners, because a lot of folks 
they're not successful at making that transition in college. And it's not as easy as you think. And most folks don't realize that you kind of have to go to elementary, middle school, and high school. It's a law. I mean, you really need to be going. You go to college, they don't care if you're there or not. You know, you got one thing and one thing only, and that's to uh, study and make good grades. And like in your case, keep your scholarship and advance the next semester because they really don't. And that's a great story. Appreciate that. So speaking of stories, we'll uh, transition a little bit here and tell us a little bit about your ECS story. Like when did you join? Where did you start out? How did you end up in Tampa? And now you're the branch manager. So that, that stuff just doesn't happen overnight. So tell us a little no. bit about your journey here two and three ECS. So as I mentioned, I got a wife and a, and a 10 year old son. So while I was in school, she gave birth to my baby boy during my junior year. Once I graduated, I moved down to Florida, start my life. And the only unfortunate thing I didn't have was experience on my resume. So the first couple months were tough to get my foot in the door. Then I got my results back from my FE exam to where I was in the IT. And then that's when the phone started ringing. They wanted to get me in the door. So I had a couple of interviews lined up. ECS was one of them. And ECS was the first one to put an offer on the table and pull me in and get me started in November of, of 2013. Started out as a field technician. Didn't know nothing about materials testing. Never got exposed to it during my college curriculum. Like I said, I focused on structural engineering. Never thought I'd be doing this kind of stuff. And I would say the labor was tough. It was something I wasn't used to, you know, moving around concrete, carrying a nuclear gauge device that weighs... I don't know, 40, 50 pounds, and then 70 pounds considering the case. So uh, a lot of muscle memory I had, had to get used to there. Doing the field tech work for about, I would say, a, a solid year before transitioning to the next step as a field engineer and followed by a project manager and so on. And I remember it too. It, it was I was working at Domino's because I had to make some money to keep the food on the table. It was after 2 a.m. shift. I get a phone call from Mike Santiago, who used to work here. And he called me about nine o'clock that morning. I'm rubbing the crust from my eyes. And he's like, hey, I'd like you to come in for an interview. I'm like, sure, when? I'll be there, <laughs> whenever it is. And it was uh, probably a week later. And then since then, they, they pulled me on board. So, yeah, never thought I'd be where I'm at today. Yeah, that's a great story. I love it. We all have somewhat similar journeys. But, you know, to think starting out in the streets of Brooklyn, going up to Clarkson, which, like you said, is almost in Canada, and ended up now in Tampa, Florida. I mean, could you ever have imagined when you were like a junior or senior in high school that you'd be a branch manager in Tampa, Florida now? Nope. I saw myself as a design engineer in a condominium looking over the city. There you go. Good for you, man. What a, what a wonderful story. Julie, I'll, I'll let you jump in now because... I'm seeing both Ray and Julie on the screen here. And Julie, I can tell she's chomping to bits. She's got a lot of questions she wants to ask. Yeah, Ray, I know when we were talking earlier, and you kind of touched on it, but I'd love for you to expand kind of, you started off as a field technician and obviously you kind of grew from there. But I know when we were chatting earlier, you were talking about how David Beers kind of pulled you aside, uh, gave you some hard tips of, you know, kind of how to move along. Can you share about that experience and kind of, what that relationship looks like for you guys? Sure. The David Beers, when he first started, he I was walking by in the hallway and I was heading to my next job and he says, hey, you, come here. And so I walk in and he introduces himself and the, the first thing he says, he said, hey, 
the way you dress offends me. You got a t-shirt on, <laughs> dirty jeans, and he's like, you're an engineer. I want you to dress like an engineer. Starting tomorrow, wear a polo. And then I did that. Some folks make fun of me and whatnot, but he pulled me into the office. And then since then, he started teaching me how to write proposals, how to handle the materials testing operations regarding schedule, how to review reports, the financial aspect of it. And I never thought I'd get exposed to that stuff, you know, and you know, I came with an open mind. I'm like, all right, yes, I got an opportunity here. I've been doing tech work for about a year and now I'm getting a chance to really tap into my skill set. So since then, he's, he really took the time over the months to cultivate me and, and ultimately make me the manager I am today because of him, you know, giving me that opportunity. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, and kind of tying along with that, I think there were some skills that you learned along the way as a technician. You know, you were telling me earlier about an experience on a job site when you were kind of taking the brunt of some people's anger and you were able to remain calm. And I'm guessing that David Beers probably taught you some skills or maybe there's some other folks or other resources, but like, how did you learn how to handle yourself on the job site when you were going through some tough situations like that? Gotcha. I definitely saw Dave handle himself in a quite of those situations. He could tap dance his way out of anything. He'll go in a meeting where people are pissed. They're ready to put, you know, get rid of us off the job. And then he's coming out of it and winning the next three jobs. So obviously watching him has integrated to my skill set as well as just, I've always wanted to work through the project. I always saw a project like, I want to see this thing go from start to finish. So when I was involved with a project, and, you know, I have folks that are pissed because they don't like to hear bad results. Contractors want a perfect world. They go from A to B. That's it. They finish a the job and they move on. But unfortunately, there are some hiccups that happen along the way. And it's my job to make sure that we document it correctly. We, we follow the plans and specifications and build the building correctly. So there were instances where, you know, I, I've given them non-compliances for rebar not being placed correctly or them placing water and concrete that was not authorized. And they get in my face and say, you don't know what you're talking about, but I've read up on the plans and specs night and day, got familiar with the project to where I was confident enough to carry out those conversations and more or less put them in their place. And like, no, this is the way we got to do it. This is what we need to follow. This is the corrective action as needed. And I knew I was representing ECS and, you know, I, I took that with pride, you know, you're a company that brought you on. I want to make sure I'm doing the best for that company. So whenever I was dealt with those hot, heavy situations. I did my best to consult it to where, you know, we could find a resolution, move on to the next step. Obviously, if there was some further roadblocks, then that's at, at that given point is when I reached out today for the next course of action. But that's typically how I dealt with those situations. And you pretty much put the plans and specs in their face and say, hey, this is what's written. I didn't create these rules. You know, the, this is what needs to be done. That's when you can uh, fall back on the architect and say, hey, this is what the architect said. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, Dave's had a big impact on you and your career. Let me ask you this. Who in your new role, who are you mentoring? You know, how are you passing it on? How are you passing it back to uh, the folks that you're working with now? Gotcha. Well, I've got several department managers under me. I got Aaron Gambro, Sydney Hoekson, and a young engineer by the name of Stephen Forrest. I would say, if anything, I'm leaning the most towards Stephen Forrest as far as mentorship goes, because I see him as myself, you know, when I started out with ECS and every challenge we give him, 
he knocks it out the park and it, it almost mimics the relationship me and Dave had. And going to Aaron and Sydney, Aaron's a, a bit older than me, so it's, it's a unique relationship there. But he recognizes the hard work I do and tries to mimic that with the staff he has. He's not used to the management role as far as managing, you know, 20 plus folks in his team. So trying to teach him and help him recognize some mid-level guys that can help assist with the management that he wants to implement, as well as taking what I learned from Dave, you know, did giving folks an opportunity, taking the time to sit with them, to teach them new things, you know, and it works. And I had the experience when I started out with ECS of working with a manager that didn't do those things. And he's no longer with us today. And, you know, it, it reflected it, it technicians quit regularly. It was a re revolving door in that materials testing department, where if you got a good manager that sits, gets to learn about his team personally and work wise, that they want to stay on board longer. They've implemented a unique culture here. And so I've taken that and want to do the same, but with my own little twist to it. Yeah, excellent. That's a great response and uh, really good advice for our listeners. And, you know, one thing that, that I'll share with you, and, and I know working with Dave, uh, you've learned this, but just always remember that it's really an honor and a privilege to work in this capacity, to mentor and lead and manage folks. Always be humble, always be modest, engage with your people, get to know them, understand their needs and concerns, do your best to be a compassionate leader. And, and I can tell that that's why you're doing so well and you're so successful because that seems to be part of your DNA. Just never forget that. There, you know, I mean, I know you know already, but as you progress, there are going to be days when it's challenging and things aren't going to go right. Something's not going to go right in the field or somebody's going to make questionable decision. And it's real easy to get mad or lose your temper, things like that. But just do your best to engage with your folks and uh, make sure that when you engage, you're engaging on their terms at their level and you have a conversation about, okay, what happened? And then the same thing when you're dealing with clients in the field, especially contractors, sometimes they're just challenging you. It's like, okay, you know, if you really know the plans and specs or are you do you really feel strongly about this? Or, you know, is there some, some middle ground, some, some way we can compromise on this? And sometimes there is, and sometimes there isn't. So as a branch manager, you're always kind of in between a rock and a hard place. You're always in that spot where you're getting challenged. Just be humble and be honest and, and be modest with your folks. Yep. Agreed. Yep. Yeah. The other thing you have a benefit of, especially in Florida, you'll have a great team down there, not only in Tampa, but the leadership there, Joe Champion, Joey Broussard. I mean, you're working directly with Dave. Cliff Hendrickson, Mike Gruber, John Hicks, a lot of really great people down there to work with. And I know that y'all are spending a lot of time together. So uh, make sure you're picking their brain and finding out how they've become so successful as well, too. You know, it's a little bit envious you being in Tampa and working with that team. And I know you know this. Not everybody gets that opportunity. You're really in a great spot and it shows in the results you're producing. So good work. Thank you. What else, Julie? You got anything else in your mind? Yeah, we talked a little bit about your rise through ECS and moving from project manager to department manager and some of those skills that you acquired through a mentorship and through working with some great leaders that Steve alluded to. Can you talk to us a little bit more about like what you did with your department to kind of build in that culture and 
some of those like very practical things that you learned and then implemented with your team? Yep. When I first took over as the D4 department manager, it was previously ran by a manager who, a, a great guy, but wasn't too keen on the operations, where I was a big fan with, of making things work automatically to where it was easy to work with. And I took the time to sit with a lot of my project managers, understand the ECS systems and whatnot, while implementing the culture that Dave has established. And again, with my, my own little twist, I'm a big operations guy. I love seeing the things work effectively and efficiently. I don't like to see things that are disorganized and whatnot. And I spend that time with the folks and understanding all the lost time they could capture to make them more efficient, to make us more profitable, to where we can knock it out the park for a given year, make bonuses and whatnot, and recognize the hard work and get rewarded for our hard work. It was definitely tough. The D4 manager position is no easy position. First taking over, I was the point of contact. You're getting these calls in the morning at 2 a.m. where the contractor's pissed off. Where the hell's your technician? It's 2.15, I got second truck down, and you're rubbing the crushing eyes and calling folks and figuring it out. And there's been a couple times where, you know, you got to put your pants on and get on the field and take care of the client. And it's happened to me several times, happened to Dave. We want to make sure the client's getting taken care of, and these hiccups do occur, but it also helps folks recognize, like, wow, he's in the trenches with us. He's not just sitting behind his desk, pointing his finger and telling you what to do. Showing that type of management style, showing the guys, like, hey, I'm in it with you guys. I want to make sure we're taking care of our clients from start to finish. They take note of that, and they mimic it as well with their jobs and whatnot. And not only that, they you want to train for your replacement someday. So, and that's what Dave always preached on. So I've got a, a army of project managers who are heading to being mid-level guys and constantly teaching them because you never know what positions will become available and what other opportunities they may face. Florida is a very young subsidiary and it's growing fast and the leadership we got here is strong and I'm excited to see what it's going to be in the next five years. So are we. And you summed it up very succinctly there. I mean, the recipe for success and leadership, especially in this company, taking care of your folks, taking care of your people, and, and taking care of your clients. I mean, yeah, you know, we got to be good technically. We got to have certifications. We have to have licenses. We have to have continuing education. We got to have experience. You know, all that, all that stuff's important. But at the end of the day, if you're taking care of your folks, you take care of your clients. It's really not that difficult an industry and a job. And I'm not trying to make light of what we do every day because I know how challenging it is. I mean, you've alluded to it as well, you know, having to get up early in the morning and take those calls and disgruntled clients. But really, you take care of your folks, you take care of your clients. So you're going to be very successful and, and it shows in what you're doing and where you are right now. For sure. Yep. Ray, let's ask this question. What fills your cup? What makes you happy and what brings you joy? When it comes to work, uh, we love winning. And I love bringing a team in when we have those victories, whether it's the next big job or we had an awesome month or a great profitable year. And then we go out, grab drinks and just celebrate with each other. That's something I love doing. I love the team we work with, the culture we have here. So I would say winning for sure. When it comes to, to my home life, it's just the family social events. Connecting with everybody, seeing how everybody's doing. Like I said, I really enjoy family time. Um, that's how I was, how I was raised. You know, 
always having Thanksgiving with the family, spending holidays with the family, birthdays and whatnot, setting up weekly dinners, all that stuff. So your family time, that's what makes me truly happy. For my own selfish reasons, I like to kick back with the lights off and game out all night if I could. <laughs> but I don't get that luxury because if I got two little ones and whatnot. So it's tough for me to put put that in my schedule nowadays. Yeah. So speaking of family, you still have family back in Brooklyn? I do. I actually uh, just spent the weekend with my sister who was down here for the weekend. So, yep, still got my family that live in the same old house. They're actually putting it up for the market and looking to move down here. So I'm a bit excited because a chunk of my family is moving down here to Tampa with me. So that way I don't have to travel back up north to see them anymore. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, still got quite a bit up there. You know, and I, I bet that's the main reason I go back home. It's just to see them. It's not mm-hmm. for New York City. The city life is I moved past that. And I'm, I'm looking forward to making Tampa the new the new big city for me. Yeah. So uh, when you take your kids there, especially your 10 year old son, what's the reaction like going to Brooklyn? He loves it. No kidding. He, he's when he sees he loves snow. He loves seeing snow, but he hasn't lived in it. When you when he lives day in and day out and you wake up shivering and your water pipes are frozen and you can't take a bath. So when he learns those true tough obstacles, I think he'll feel a different way, but he gets to see it in bits and pieces. So he loves the way the city looks, the atmosphere, the way everything's right there. You don't have to drive everywhere. And like I said, the the, the snow component to it. Yeah. And then get to spend time with the family, too. I bet he loves it. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) That's cool. That's great. All right. Anything else, Julie, before we sign off? No, I think this has been a great conversation. We appreciate hearing kind of your story and rise to leadership, if you will, Ray, and, you know, the importance and value of that mentorship has played in, in your career. And yeah, I think this has been a great conversation. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's a, it's a tremendous story. It really is. And I know you and your family, immediate family, your extended family are proud, proud of you. And I know that you sometimes might want to blow it off, but don't take that for granted. You know, what you've done and where you're at right now is a big deal. And so, uh, Make sure that every once in a while you pat yourself on the back. It's hard for all of us to do being, you know, folks that, that want to win, folks that are engaged all the time, folks that are, you know, working hard in their career and taking care of your family. And yeah, you know, you might get a chance every once in a while to uh, get some alone time and maybe do some gaming or stuff like that. But really take some time and just acknowledge all the gifts that you have, all the things that have come to you. And make sure you fill yourself up with gratitude because you really are. It's a great story. We're excited to have you where you're at. And I know there's nothing but great things for you and your family as uh, as you move forward in your career. So thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know exactly how busy you guys are in Florida. I mean, I talk with them all the time. So uh, we really appreciate you sharing your story with us. And uh, I look forward to meeting you face to face someday, too. Cool. Well, I appreciate it, Julian, Steve. I enjoyed this very much. Thank you for listening to Coffee Talk from the ground up. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you have an idea on future topics, guests, or are up for a round of call, you can call me, text me, email me, just just get in touch with me, and I'll get it to Julie, and uh, we'll get it set up. 
And for those of you that don't want to play golf and you may hate talking on the phone, that's okay. You can send us an email at ecsmarketing at ecslimited.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. Thanks, Julie. Here's to having a great day.